Hi everyone, this is Josie Pollard and today is a very magnificent start of the website Agitprop, which is a project that I've been working on for some time now. Agitprop started as a result of wanting to put my ideas in a medium that you guys knew me for and it grew into something completely organic. It was something that I felt needed to be done. It was a website that I felt that would be the start of a publication and the start of an LGBT-run media that would give everyone a voice that needed it. And I really wanted to begin this series with a collection of interviews on some of the people that have really inspired me. Some stories I think would be very interesting and I hope you guys enjoy. On the podcast today, we actually have the incomparable child prodigy and wonderful musician, Lauren Harris. We're going to be discussing a little bit about her story, how she came to be a British eccentric, wonderful character that we all know and love, how she became the new queen of memes, but then also a little bit more about the transphobia she faced through her work in the public eye. There's been a lot of incidents that have happened through her life, which I think are very um, prevalent in this climate. I think that there has been a few things that have gone under the radar. And I hope you guys enjoy our wonderful conversation today. So Lauren, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. Um, You've had quite an extraordinary life. You started off on the Eleanor Jones show as a child prodigy and then went on to Terry Wogan. So how old were you when it all began? About, I was about um, nine. Well, I was being bullied in school, so it was it was better than being in school and it was something I was talking talk about, something I enjoyed. So you went on to Oprah and Joan Rivers. Um, of Joan Rivers, I went to, yes, just to, to name a few, but obviously I've done did so many shows as a child, you forget. Yes. But I did Oprah as James and then as Lauren as well. She did a wonderful yeah. video on YouTube and included your first song. Yes, yes, that's right. I wanted to talk a little bit about your transition and when you went through that kind of in the public eye, because a lot of the stuff I've been talking about within my podcast is about the LGBT community and fair representation. Um, So do you mind us going into a little bit of that? Yes, of course. I'm I'm very, uh, there's nothing I can't answer. Okay, perfect. So one of the hardest processes we go through in the trans community is the process of gender reassignment, not just because it's so costly, but because it takes such a long time to do. There's a lot of hurdles to overcome. What was your story that actually took you to seek out the medical help? Because I understood you went private, didn't you? The only reason I went public was for the money. Right. To get money from Max Clifford. Um, I did go privately, but I first of all um, went to see my GP. Mm-hmm. And I know there were April Ashley and there'd been a lot of beautiful transgendered women in the, in the 60s, but they, they, they weren't, well, they, they're not, people wouldn't know who they are, you know, if I yes. that now. But when I went to my doctor, she said, you've got to wait five years. And um, you don't feel that way. You feel like you want it now. So um, it was a terrible time for me. I, I didn't have a... Um, my ex-boyfriend said to me, did you ever have an erection as a child? You know, it's James. I never did. Mm. So that was unusual. Um, and they said, five years, you're, going, you're not going to be able to, well, you're going to have to wait five years. So then it was time. I just couldn't live my life anymore. So I had um, my first suicide attempt. Oh, it's, so, oh, it's no, such it's a, a difficult... Oh, no, it's a long time ago. It's yeah. a long time ago. 
myself. A lot of the doctors, I think, are starting to um, edge away from looking into a lot of the research behind this because I think for a lot of trans women um, and people in the umbrella, I think there's more likelihood that a lot of people are in the intersex category because they just don't have the same chromosomal um, standards. They might have Kleinfelter or no testosterone and things like that. And it's never really spoken about when I see these interviews on TV, which is kind of sad. And even speaking to GPs, they don't often know a lot of the they don't know enough. Yeah. But I, I want to get a book out there so that there is information for people. It would be awesome to do that. It would definitely be awesome. Yeah. So when you were going through the process of working with Max Clifford, because you really were one of the first pioneers to be on TV and openly discuss this stuff. I know when I was younger, I saw you and you were definitely the first person I saw that I could identify with in, in that regard. But what do you think the hardest part about going public was? Did you receive a lot of scrutiny when you first started to discuss this? Yes, well, I, I, I thought I'd find my team committed to command. Um, but it didn't quite work out that way. Um, when I went public, it was complete transphobia. Mm. As soon as I went public, it was, um, we had bits through the windows. We had people shouting out that uh, I couldn't leave the house. Um, I was a recluse for, as well as going out and getting through my transition, um, I was basically, you know, terrified to do anything. So I had bodyguards and I was, was protected. And that's one of the reasons why I'm starting to live my life now rather mm. than earlier on because um, there's so much, I mean, it was only, I had, I had transphobia, which I invented that name before it even came out, transphobia. Mm. Um, I had so many people shouting, I had to go up, we have an attic, so I had to go up into the attic and uh, stay there until it's finished. This went on for about eight years every single day it's kind of like scary isn't it the all the stuff that you've been through we, this was in cardiff yes right and yes. one of your so first that, yeah. your first interviews was on this morning wasn't it how did you think that they approached the topic of talking about transition because they did a kind of like a makeover didn't they they did they did a, a, a show before surgery and mm-hmm. then a show after surgery but julie did say it's, it's a publicity stunt Okay. It was reported with coming with plant pots and pretend to be, and I was on morphine. I wasn't didn't, didn't even know what I was saying. But yes, I went on Richard Judy, and they were very nice. They were very nice, and and considering you know they were I think because they were mature themselves, they they could they did the interview very well. And Richard was very nice to me, and he patted me on my perfume, wet linen, order. And women, and you know, and when you're going through a transitional period like that, any compliment is so important. Absolutely, absolutely, because it's as much mental as it is physical. Oh, it's, it's all of it. It's mental, and then you deal with the physical, mm-hmm. you know. It's all about mental, but it is the physical as well, because, you know, you, you want to look in the mirror and like the body that you look at. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Talking of this morning, one of the, I think for me, one of the most iconic interviews was when you were with Holly and Philip. You, you were there with the doctor and you were discussing transition. Uh, you got a temporary ban. What happened there? Well, um, first of all, I hadn't known how to do this, I know. And um, also, I was, um, I, I always intended to be there for transgendered real people. Mm. And I felt that the, the, the man I was with, the doctor, didn't know what he was talking about. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and also, I know that this morning is on every day. 
So I didn't want it to be a show that would be forgotten. Yeah, yeah. So I made sure it wasn't. Yes, well, yes. That's why I did it. Well, that makes total sense. And I think, like, it's funny because the media have got it so kind of misconstrued, I think. And I think that only the exposure that they put on this morning seems to be at the moment, you can only be on there if you're transgender, if you're having a debate with someone. And it's like, well, why can't trans people just be in the job because they're talented enough to do a segment? Why does it have to be because they're trans, they're on it? Why aren't there enough transgender people on television anyway? Exactly. Why is it all straight people or... You know, also or so-called normal people when there isn't such a thing anyway. Um, they're, they're 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 not they're, they're, the gay community. There'll always be homophobia. My brother's gay. There'll always be homophobia, but there is more transphobia now. Um, I mean, there's still transphobia, and, and and in the industry as well. And that has to stop. Um, there has to be. There has to be a, because I don't even like the word trans. I like the word woman because after surgery and. After all the pain you go through with the, you know, with, with the surgery, and um, it, it, it takes it takes so much pain and, and mental. You, know, you deserve to be called the woman that you are. And, and to be honest with you, you know, men that I'm with don't even know that I'm transgender. Yeah. So you know, and it's up to me to tell them or not. And there's there's so much nuance in the trans community today. I think trans is kind of become it instead of focusing on the difference between like transgender and drag which i think was the conversation in the 2000s it's become like now trans is almost like an all-inclusive because there's a lot of women that don't want to get the full surgery now and there are some people it just but it's it's all people are people but we all kind of go through the same kind of transphobia at times if you know what i mean and it's it's interesting to see um that there still is not enough representation on tv that shows people as real people and instead it's the focus on either the surgery they've had done or the controversy around them it's never just oh look there's a wonderful person they just happen to be what they are which is sad that's business unfortunately they have to have a negative perspective on those things Yes, it's very sad. Um, I wanted to touch base on the documentary that was produced about your life by Keith Allen, and I understand if you didn't yeah. want to talk about it too no, much. No, there's nothing I can't talk about. Okay, um, I remember seeing it when I was younger, and I remember even then, before we had this big conversation in the media, that it kind of came across incredibly um, smearing, and I didn't think well, that... Um, I, what I actually did is I went out to find the DVD, and I wanted to watch the DVD as an adult. It's just horrifically shocking really to look at all the ways they edited it to the the wacky kind of dracula music they put on the like offensive characterizations of trans people they put in the ad break kind of like the segues everything that it was kind of it they froze the the freeze frame it was it was um it was it was what you call a um they were trying to do um oh i've forgotten the word now they were trying to do a um they were trying to misconstrue who I was and yeah. make out that my family controlled me and uh, I was crazy, really. But yeah, they were just trying to, they, I'll, I'll talk about the words, the, the words mm. further on into the, the, the conversation. Can you imagine that documentary being shown today? I mean, the uproar. They wouldn't be, but they wouldn't put that on now. It's, it was such an irresponsible thing, I think, to put that on television because it didn't just affect the characterization of you as a public figure, but it, it went through your whole entire family and, and it, the impact that that could have on people's credibility in the workplace or on people's um, just character, like you, your brothers and things like that that are the same age as you. It's just, it was, it's quite shocking and it was 
strange to watch it kind of like now I'm older because you saw all of the kind of intention behind it was to make you look a certain way that wasn't fair and even the deleted scenes that weren't on the TV show were just set up to look as crazy as possible and it was just so were, it was well, awful well, first, it was, it was um, an expose yeah that's but they couldn't get us. They tried, mm. but they couldn't get us. And it was an expose, a deliberate expose with Keith Allen, who I don't mind mentioning, you know, who has many, many problems himself. Um, but, um, and uh, he wanted to expose my family's um, just mad, um, insane. Um, although they were just playing us with brandy. I hadn't been on television for a very long time. This was the 90s. Mm-hmm. And um, I didn't know it was an expose. I was fat on the show. I look much better now. Oh, no, you um, look lovely on the show. Oh, I didn't. Obviously, yeah, I didn't. But thank you very much. Um, but I, I know. And um, he, uh, Keith Allen, he wanted to do an expose. He wanted to be... It was the 90s. This was when the 80s was fun and the 90s were starting and the 90s were starting to do negative television. Mm. Um, and, and this and that was this was little Lady Fontlaw who was certainly they were trying to make out but expose me for the uh, you know, the, the weird, you know, unbalanced, um, transgendered you know, person that woman that I that I was. But um, they they even had it in the contract I found out later I couldn't go on a show to talk about it or explain about it or anything. We were wrapped up in circles basically and we couldn't get out. Um, and they plied us with alcohol, and um, you know they they they, they um, we didn't, it was it was an expose, and it was very 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 bad mm. for the transgender community, and not good for for people's state of mind. And I was the only person who had the courage to watch it, and I was but I still went outside, and I thought, well, you know, who gives a crap? There's no there's anything say in this business. There's no publicity. There's no such thing as bad publicity in in some ways. In some but, ways, um, I just feel so sorry for my family, and I'm very proud of my brother Patrick at the end, who stood up and and stood his ground. But I think we all stood our ground as much as we could, and the, he couldn't get us on anything. So there was a deleted scene, which I'm always curious to find out because on the DVD version, um, because I think a lot of people still, even with the extreme versions of transphobia, people always try and overly sexualize trans women and make them into kind of like a parody or, or pornographic. And in the deleted scenes, there was kind of like a conversation that I think was filmed with you and Keith, where he was, I think you said that he'd sent you some sort of provocative text messages. Yeah. So what do you think he was setting you up to say something sexual to then show on the show that you were this into because there was like everything everything. but I was I was I was very young and um and um to be honest with you having it's not it's not about sex it's about gender yeah so I think people get that mixed up they do and I think that they certainly got mixed up in that documentary absolutely there needs to be in my opinion some accountability from the network and people involved with that documentary because it could have impacted you in such a traumatizing way and i do understand that there was a situation that happened um that i think was after this where you were unfortunately very violently assaulted outside your home yes and that's just one um, but i'll talk about the second one um yes um we i was cooking in the kitchen um this and um I saw my, my father said he heard a noise and he saw a protective in his car mm-hmm. and he went out to see what was happened and I saw my father go to, on the he, he went on the, I saw him on the floor 
And my first reaction was to run out. You don't think clearly. You just think your loved one is on the floor, a big man of six foot eight with my brother on the floor. So, you know, as small as I was, I ran out to help him. Um, and then um, I was sexually assaulted. And um, also I was hit across my face with my own shoe 28 times. Um, and I ended up having to have a lump removed from my brain. Good God, it's horrific. They were on drugs, they tried to break into the house at first, but I was left unconscious in the hall, in the lobby, outside the house. They thought I was in the house upstairs, they didn't even know I was outside. When did this take place? Was this after the documentary was out? It was after, many years after, yeah. Mm. It's just, it's just, I think that it's such a kind of like a timeline where the media was incredibly irresponsible. Um, one of the the reasons why I wanted to start this podcast is because when I look at the LGBT media, I don't see enough of a communal kind of like, oh, wow, something went wrong here with one of our leaders in some regards. Like you were a pioneer, you were the first transgender presenter on This Morning. You were definitely a figure in most people's lives for the last 30 years. And we, as much as it's fun to talk about um, reality TV stuff that's been going on, there has been a serious kind of timeline of of events that we need to really address to stop this happening again. Um, it would be so easy for someone to produce a documentary and put it on YouTube today without any regulations and things. And a result of that could be violence towards a young trans person. Um, a lot of people don't, they're a bit scared, I think, to touch base with this. They don't, they don't want to say the wrong thing, but hopefully um, this will be a nice... There's, 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 you have, no, if we don't discuss it, how, if you don't discuss it, how people are going to learn. Absolutely. If you had advice for people in this generation um, that were going through the transition or questioning their gender identity and, and wanting to proceed with maybe sexual reassignment surgery or just experiment with their gender expression, what advice would you give them? Well, I would advise them to dress as a woman. Um, less is more. So okay. Wear, <laughs> always wear, wear less is more with clothes. Don't dress up too much. Just less, just down. Um, I mean, you can look good in a jumper or shirt or a man's shirt. With you know, you can look sexier in clothes, even man's clothes, ironically, than women's clothes mm-hmm. sometimes. So you know, my my advice is to dress down. Don't think, oh, I'm going to wear all the colours of the rainbow because I've waited so long to do this. Mm. Um, you know, it takes time. Um, you know, work out, work out, work on your figure. But also, my, my most important advice is to, because I was a virgin up until my surgery. Okay. Um, and then I'm going to put this all out on the table because it, it is my life and it's sad, but it's the past anyway. Um, and I was, in, I was in Putney because I did a lot of shows talking about transgender and, and my transition and everything. And I was in Putney with um, two people, um, married couple, and I had a few drinks and I was on the radio and they, they paid me to stay in the travel lodge. So... They said, well, we'll take you home to your house, to your place. And I was only 23. Okay. And he was a very attractive man, and you know, but he was just going to drop me home. And, um, you know, but, you know, and I, and I, he was married as well. And I was raped. And this was about two, a month after the surgery, and it just wrecked everything. So um, I went in the bath, as you do, as soon as it happened. Um, and I was terrified, and I ruined my surgery. Um, and I knew that I was sick, and I knew that I needed to have 
it took me five more years to have a leg removed from my vagina because of what happened. Did, did you report the incident? No, no, but um, I have been, something happened not long ago, um, but you can't, which I've reported. Yeah. Um, um, and, um, I, and, I, and I blame myself again for it, but, but um, after speaking to counsellors um, and knowing that I wasn't in my right mind, um, at the time, I don't blame yourself, my, myself, but it takes a long time for you to feel that way because it's the first thing you think, well, did I say that the wrong thing? Did I, did I turn it on too much? Or was it my fault? It's the first thing that you think of. Mm. Well, um, and, um, you know, but obviously you should never blame yourself. Um, and, you know, you know it's, it, it should be consented between both of you. Yeah. Um, and, um, you know, so... You know, these must be that, but so don't rush into sex at all. Wait until your body is fully healed. And then um, you keep using the dilators um, and, um, and, um, and, um, and, you know, and, and enjoy it. Because, you're, you know, you're making, you're making yourself a beautiful body and you're anatomically a woman in every way. And one day we will progress. And when they, you know, they are working on um, transgender women, even having children. Yeah. So by having a womb and then an egg plant inside. So it's all possible, you know, mark, you know, mark the space. Absolutely. They're making um, follicles uh, out of bone marrow at the moment, which is... Exactly, a, exactly. Although I would adopt because of the terrible things that are happening in Turkey with Erdogan, um, with the dictator, um, and, and um, basically, you know, telling killing babies and seeing babies on the shore and stuff so I would definitely adopt and um because um because um that, that is somebody who needs your help um living on this world as you know um so yes I would definitely adopt but sometime in in many many years to come absolutely that would be you'd make a cool mum <laughs> I would be a wonderful mother but I would I would that would that would be most of my life would be that would be my life though, yes you see. Yes. That is who I am. I, I, I would need a partner. Mm-hmm. I know there are a lot of single mothers around, but I was brought up with two people as parents. Um, it's hard being on your own. It's hard being a single mother. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a big responsibility. But I'm not saying that there are amazing single mothers out there, because I'm sure there are. Um, but, you know, it's just hard. And, um, and I think it's just easier to have two parents instead of one for the child and for the, for, for the parent. Yeah, well, talking of mums, you've noted that your mum is a big inspiration to you. Um, do oh, you... She's my, she, she, she's been my light. She's oh. my best friend. She's the most wonderful person in the world. She's um, between Sharon but she's like um, between Beth, Beth Davis and Sharon Osborne. Um, <laughs> and also she's got a heart of gold. So she's, she's um, and she, it's, um, her family... Um, I blame them for a lot of the, you know, her, her nose was broken by her own brother when she was 16 years old, mm. so she had to move out. So she's been through an awful lot herself. But, um, you know, but my mother, my whole family are wonderful people, and they always have been, but they've obviously been very protective, as you can understand. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Who else are your kind of, like, role models? Like, who do you look up to for inspiration? Um... For inspiration, I look up to people who have the courage to be themselves, um, the courage to be nice to people, to love people, and not not put on airs and graces because they're on TV, 
um, just people who have the time to stop and say, give directions, stop and talk to you. Um, you know, just be, I, um, I think that, that is, love is the answer to this world. And if we all love one another, then we would have a completely different world. And study and study and read about the mind because if I already, I, I mean, I had, I had two suicide attempts and on the last one, I realised I, I didn't want to live, but I stayed alive for my family. I couldn't, I couldn't hurt them anymore. Mm, but um, then I started to learn about the mind, um, metaphysics, which is the study of the mind, and of course the subconscious, 90% of the brain and 10% of your conscious mind. So I started the manifestations. I started reading all the books before The Secret even came out. And that helped me an awful lot. Mm. Um, they're very and, interesting, um, those books, because they're... they're very interesting. Well, you know, we all cannot say where we come from. No. Um, but there is someone around, they do know where we come from, they just don't want us to know. And that, there was a lady that was behind the, the secret that who channels someone called Abraham Hicks or something, and she actually goes into like a oh, trunk. it's all been copied, all these books have been copied yeah. from many, many, many other books. It's all copied. Yeah, it's, I'm fascinated by all the channeling things, that Seth oh, yeah. materials. I've been studying metaphysics now for 20 years. Wow. What would your um, best practices, apart from being kind to people, be? Like, is there any kind of books you would recommend people to read if they wanted to look into this a little bit more? I mean, The Study of the Mind? Yes. Um, yes. Um, um, let me think. Joseph Murphy is a good one. Okay. Um, yes, I think it's called um, The Power of the Subconscious Mind. Just look up Joseph Murphy um, and go online as well. Now there's everything on there now, but there wasn't at the time. Joseph Murphy, um, try and get the old books, um, the, the, the Tibetan books. They're very good. Before the war, before they destroyed everything. Mm. Um, the best, um, the best um, book I read, which was rubbish, apart from two or two words, was, was I Am. And I Am is a very, very, very... Um, powerful two words and um you just chant that every day and you do yourself a visualization board of course but you just get a piece of paper and you just just put stuff on it and um and you look at it and um you put it away and and i look at it and i think well actually that's happened all those things in one way or the other has happened in in, in its own way yeah. so anything you want a holiday a car um you know a, a husband a boyfriend a wedding it will happen in one way or the other. Absolutely. I believe that completely. Speak things into existence. You do. And you have to, you have to believe you're wealthy to be wealthy. Mm-hmm. Um, um, you can't live in a box because, unfortunately, they will leave you in the box until you retire. And then you will then... They try and keep you in a box uh, with no key to get out of it. Um, unfortunately, they, they don't want us to think in this country. The government don't want us to think... Um, or have an, they just want us to work so hard that we have no time to explore these things. Absolutely. Um, and obviously, I'm a painter as well, so I, I do that as well. And, um, you know, I gave up my career before I went into the Big Brother house, and I studied drama and um, art for three years. Okay, that's cool. So, in the Big Brother house, did you yeah. find that that experience was a bit insane? Because I can't even imagine not even being able to talk to my mum or my sister or eat food that I wanted to have. Like, what was the hardest part about that? Well, I'd done a few shows before that, you see. I'd done um, Working 95, which was a different 
a different a different job every day. I saw I, I saw some clips yeah. of that when I was doing my yeah. little pre interview research. You should get the producer to pop that on um, YouTube as a series. Yes, yes, Pink Lemon Media. Yes. Um, well, um, and um, and then I did another show again called Trust and I'm a Beauty Therapy. Yeah. Which was completely transphobic. Oh God! What um, happened? I, I just I drank a glass of wine. And they threw all my clothes, Michelle Marsh, who we worked for this morning, and Michelle is another Michelle Marsh, who's a topless model. Um, and she threw all my clothes out the window. Why? All of them. Because I had her glass of wine. <laughs> oh my God. So, but, but this wasn't filmed. This should have been filmed. But I, and you know, Danny, um, Danny, Danny Foster, <clears throat> he was very supportive, very attractive as well. Mm-hmm. And he helped me through that. But that was just before I had the brain surgery. And uh, two weeks later, I went straight back to work. Wow, okay. Well, quite a ride. One of the things that I think a lot of people don't realise is there is a very popular show on um, YouTube that's by World of Wonder, and it's called Ring My Bell, where the drag queens and the trans people... Oh, I love that, yeah. Yes, and they posted a throwback clip of you and RuPaul. Uh, you were a very young child, and you were actually answering calls on a show, and it was the inspiration behind that. Do you remember doing that with RuPaul? I remember that show, yes, because I had so many pervies folks. Thirty people on the phone. I had to put the phone down, bang, 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 because <laughs> there were so many perverts on there. Oh but, my god! You know, this was about one o'clock in the morning. Okay. And you were how old were you on, on that? On the booth, and the shower is on the, um, you know, obviously looked divine. Yeah. Um, but the suits, um, I'm afraid, um, they are. They're, they're just obscene. The suits. He needs to wear um, Austin Reed, and then a polo jumpers. I need to tell him how to dress because those suits. Those suits, I mean, they, they would give you a nightmare. Well, I, I think Liverpool is fantastic. Yes. <laughs> I just think that the clothes, the, the suits he wears are just too much. Yes. <laughs> They're not the, your the, style. The suits are amazing, but the suits, as a man, are too much. Absolutely. They could be a little bit, they could be a lot, rather. They could be a lot toned down. Yes. I mean, basically, they give you a migraine. I mean, if you, you know, <laughs> I mean, I would burn them if I was him and start again. I wonder if there's, like, some secret messages hidden in the patterns, like those optical illusions where you go cross-eyed and you can see, like, secret messages. Who knows? Well, I dump them all, burn them and start again. Burn them all. Because they make you feel, they just give you, they give you, if you've got a headache, you get an even bigger headache by watching this. I love him, I love him in drag, but anything else, I mean, what's this Scottish thing going on? Oh, I have no idea. I think he's half Scottish or something. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I think World of Wonder, the people behind Drag Race, actually produced that documentary on Pete Burns, the Unspun show that... Mm-hmm. And you work with Pete Burns on... I have worked with Pete Burns. Yeah, I sang with Pete Burns and I worked with him on Pete Burns. He is amazing. He's one of my, he, my favourite people. Well, to the ironic thing is, when I was in London, of all the bars in all the world, I was in London and as I said, the land, but... I went in and Pete Burns was, song, was on Spin Me Round and, um, you know, of all the songs in all the world and I thought, you know, you're with me, you know? Mm. Um, and we sang together and it was, you spin, you right round, baby, right round, you go la, he was, and you couldn't get through the plastic, he, he, you know, and, and obviously he always wanted to be Westwood mm-hmm. and he'd say, oh, I'm going to that in park now, boys, and he'd go down the stairs and everything we was live and... I learned a lot with him because everything with Pete was one line of she looks like she's a walking condom. <laughs> and it was just, it was very funny. Um, and um, 
And uh, but um, he he wouldn't put up with any nobody mess with Pete. No, and that's why I liked him. You know, why aren't you in the only up and outs now? You know, I uh, I'm not Pete, but we still have a fashion shoot to do. Ah, uh, what was your favourite memory working together? It was singing, I think, with him. Oh, oh, he sang, uh, spin me round, and of course he couldn't get through the plastic, so he was kicking it so it went through with his heels on. But he still couldn't get through, and thank goodness I knew all the words, so I could. This was live. Okay. And my voice wasn't very good then because it, you know it needed work. Okay. Um, and and I, and I, I he kicked it, so I kicked it his way through, and it was he, he tried it, and it, it certainly made an impact. But I had to keep it going, and it was puppy day, and I was in a red bath with with um you know with suspenders and stockings on, and and then there, there was these naked men, old men running around, walking around, just <laughs> we found. So it was certainly a lark, and. Um, and it was certainly an, an amazing idea of James Skinner, who I'll always, always, always be very thankful for, who worked with Celebrity Big Brother. Okay. Um, and um, who got us to do that together. Um, and of course, um, you know, I, I did the fashion shoot with him for quite a while. Um, and, um, and then obviously he's had the night. But um, I think he's in a happier place now, telling mm. everybody where to wrap off and yes. telling them what to wear. Oh, I think World of Wonder should do a documentary on you. I think that would be a, such a vindication because they did do a great job with the one they did with um, Pete Burns and it would be awesome to do like a Lauren Harry's and um, the real person today instead of the awful yeah, well, Keith so Allen. There are so many stories that people don't know, you know. Yeah. And uh, there is a lot of misconception on who I am still, um, you know, and basically I, have, I wear my heart on my sleeve um, I, you know, I can't care what people say about me because that's the first thing you must do when you're in the media, especially in show business. You can't care what people say about you. Mm. You have to just, you've just, you've just got to just ignore the comments and just move on. But be true to yourself. I mean, I did your video recently. I deleted it. But you know, but you have to, you you have to be true to yourself. And if you make mistakes, you learn by them. Yeah, and don't but, take yourself um, too seriously. No, don't take yourself too seriously. Live each day as it comes. Always. And if somebody is really annoying you, then tell them. Tell them. Don't keep it in. It's better out than in, as I would say. Fantastic. Well, you have become the queen of memes on social media and all your fans are creating their own fan art with you, which is very funny. It is very funny. Um, and, I, I would, and I will be putting much more of their art on. But at the moment, there's a video coming out every day on Instagram. Okay. Um, and there is going to be a fashion shoot out tomorrow, um, I'm doing, um, and also um, there'll be a video, I'll be doing videos every day while I'm here, proper Lady Gaga clothes. Fabulous. Um, couture, um, and um, there'll be photographer, the proper photographs and everything for Instagram, um, and also there's a TV show I'm doing as well, which I can't talk about at the moment. But it will be a completely a complete transgender uh, revolution. It's going to open people's eyes in so many ways that I'm very proud to be saying I'm doing the, pro- the program. Oh, exciting! How can people find you? What is your Instagram handle? Is it just at My Lauren Harris? Instagram is Lauren Harris official. Okay. Uh, do you use Twitter? And, um, and you can follow me, and I'll follow you back. And any advice you want about pre-op, about transitioning. Anything. I'm the ambassador of the transgender community. I've lived for 41 years. Um, I've lived as a woman for since I was, well, I've always been a woman, but I didn't figure it out until I was 18. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I'm, I, I know it all, get it all, but I'm still living my life and I'm still learning because 
I've been cosseted, looked after because I've been hurt so much. Yeah. Um, and, um, and now it's time for me to have my wings and for me to fly um, instead of being um, looked after, do a show, go home, look, do a show, go home and, and start to have a social life. Um, and um, and have fun and, and put work and, and, and get and, and get my career on the ball, which which it is, which it is. I think you should do a merchandise line, like a cool T-shirt that all the fans can do. Yeah, I love fashion. Yeah. Um, and um, and um, I'm the queen of fashion. Yes. And um, well, for all the transgender community, I'll always say it: less is more. You know, I mean, there's always the, the simple black dress, like like Chanel would say. There's always, you know, and for people transitioning, you will be look, you, you'll look much better in something plain than you will something colourful. You know, it is always the way. It takes a long time to to know how to dress because of your figure, and your figure is changing. Mm. The hormones they put you on don't always work. Mm-hmm. Um, it took me up to my forties to get the figure I've got now um, to get the to get you know, to, you know. But I haven't had any body surgery except the breast implants 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm a 38 double P and now, <laughs> but I was a 34 double P, but they just get bigger. Wow. So I can't get into any, my waist gets smaller and my breast gets bigger. So every day I just look more and more like Dolly Parton. How funny. That's brilliant. <laughs> so what are you working on other than your music career, which is going fantastically? I hear you're writing a book. Yes, I'm writing a book. Um, I'm doing a podcast with somebody I'm very friends with, Giles. Okay. He's, um, a, he's um, you know, and just to get the word out there, um, I've got this very national television program I'll be doing in May. Okay. Um, and I'm also um, going to be doing all the clubs, singing in all the clubs in London. Have you heard of RuPaul's Drag Con, the convention that's associated with the show? No, I haven't, but I know they're doing another RuPaul's Drag Race in Britain. Yes, they are. So, it, in America, they do a wonderful convention where all the queens and a lot of the trans community come together and they sell their merchandise and do appearances and meet and greets. You should do definitely go to LA and do a fun meet and greet with all your American well, I would fans. Love to to, I would love to go to America. But I would also like to do is there is these people I know in Birmingham and they work for the transgender children mm-hmm. that are, they, they take the spiral acting and they you know, and I would like to give advice and talks to the children. That would be um, wonderful. Well, because um, that is, to me, is just as important as a TV show because it is helping people. It is giving children, they, you know, they, they, they aspire to be a woman um, and, and I'm, they can look at me and think, well, if she can do it, I can do it. Absolutely. It's always good to give back. All right then, Lauren. Well, thank you so much for taking the time um, to speak to me today and everyone. I will put all your details for your social media on the links. So yes, that- please. Anybody on Instagram, follow me on Lauren Harris Official. Um, there will be much more coming out, um, much, many more videos and many more um, videos and photographs. And uh, I'll keep you all updated. Um, and, um, and I will be back on television again. So, um, so watch this space. Can't wait to see you. Thank you, Lauren. Take care. My pleasure. All right. Bye, honey. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. 
So that is pretty much our wonderful guest for episode one. And I really hope you guys have enjoyed and subscribed to this. It's going to be available on Spotify, iTunes, and also on Agitprop. You can find Agitprop through my website, www.josephharwood.com. I will also give some details of Lauren's social media and website. So check all the details in the links below, all the information online. And also find her on Twitter at Lauren Harris. And definitely subscribe to the podcast to see who's going to be next for our interview series. Thank you for watching. We'll see you all in my next episode and take care.